0: Uh, This evening, we're going to be discussing the Parshat Hashavua. For those of you still not familiar with the importance of Parshat Hashavua, the study in the Betha Knesset or Temple or Synagogue to listen to this particular reading of the portion of the week because that which is discussed within the Parsha will provide us with the energy that is vitally necessary for the coming week. So therefore this week is Shoftim vishotrim the appointing of judges and policemen. I mean, you know, judges, policemen. Chote is actually policemen. And it's and it's difficult to conceive that that the idea of Shotim would mean literally what a policeman does, you know, if he has to act sometimes in a form of police brutality. Right this was the kind of people who would even want to be a policeman if he had to uh, if he had to you know fulfill his his position if he had to fulfill his position as as you know as a policeman what kind of a chore and who would want even that chore Also mentioned in this week's portion, since we're uh, dealing with judgment, policemen, obviously what follows then is the sentencing by the judges of of the particular punishment if someone is guilty. And the Zohar says, Pekudah Batada, and the mitzvah, and he calls it a mitzvah. Can you imagine? A mitzvah, a precept to judge, if necessary, the four types of death sentences, which include sayef, sword, chenik, strangulation, Ladum s'kila, stoning, and la bedin Srefa and from the way the uh, Talmud understood this form of uh, death sentence, is taking a torch and literally uh, opening up the, you know, the the uh, accused and putting him to death through uh, burning. I think I mentioned this once before that um, I had a friend that always said that when he was looking for a pastime you know to read a good murder story or a good uh, sex story he would open up the Bible you Now I don't have to elaborate on the many stories as an example Yehuda with Tamar right Yehuda, one of the uh, twelve sons of Jacob the chariot of the sign of the Zodiac and here after uh, after his wife uh, passed away and his two children passed away and he sends Tamar away because he felt she was the kiss of death In other words, she was married to two of his elder sons and when it came time to for her to request that the youngest son also marry Tamar he of course sent her away and said let's wait until he gets a little older and then out of despair I mean if we're going to take the literal translation of the Torah as it is written he then it says went down and uh he announced that he was looking for a woman to go to bed with. I mean, this is a story written in the Torah. You know, this is not one of some of those magazines, you know, uh, pornography and giving you this kind of stories. This is a story in the Torah. And when when she heard that, she uh, put on a veil so he could not recognize her. And... uh, He went to bed with her, paid her for it. This is the literal translation. And uh, went back home. And the Torah continues that after a while, this is all in Genesis, after a while, Yehuda suddenly got word that Tamar had uh, committed adultery. Of course, she wasn't even married, but she was actually destined... So states the Talmud to marry the youngest son. So she's considered like she was married, and the uh, no, a woman of that nature should be put to death. And when she's brought before Yehuda, he tells her, you know, what the her sentence has to be, and she says, well. Since he had not paid money, he had paid with a signet ring. She says to the one that I had uh, received the signet ring is the one to whom is the father of this child that I am going to bear. And the story ends like what happened after that? Nothing. In other words, he was caught with his pants down maybe, you know, like we caught him. And so how could he act in such piety and say how could you have uh, how could you have uh, committed a, a sexual act that even according to the Torah was not even forbidden. There was no Torah to begin with. And here he was going to mete out justice. The death penalty. Burning at the stake as one of the four death sentences how do we understand that particular passage and also there are many other passages in the torah that discusses different ways in different situations where the death sentence was to be meted out it's also strange that there is another source in the talmud that says while all of these death sentences Mentioned in the Torah were sentences that would be carried out in the event of certain cases. It never happened. That means we have to assume that uh, so many people, so many people, were uh, you know, were all good that there was never a reason to pass judgment. And then, from what the Zohar says, and this is not very clear within the, uh, within the Torah itself, the Zohar says, Ha mitzvah ladun becherev. In other words, when judgment would be passed by these judges, a death sentence of one of these four types, it would be a mitzvah, a precept, and they would be fulfilling a precept there would be a mitzvah if this judgment was handed down mitzvah isn't it enough of a tragedy that the man's life is going to be taken justifiably by 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 a death sentence of a responsible court but that it should be a mitzvah how do you reconcile that but in any event that's what the Zohar says. He says to judge with, with a sword, the Zohar himself asks, Who? Who is the Torah addressing itself towards? Could it be people? That it would be a mitzvah? The Zohar raises that question. And he answers in one word, Umeshiv lasamil." In other words, it was never the intent of the Torah to pass out this kind of judgment, but rather, as I claim that the Torah is a biblical cosmic code that you can't understand according to Rabbi Shimon, one word translated literally, you lose the entire content of the Torah. If that's the way you interpret the Torah with a literal translation. And therefore, he says that it's referring to the angel, Satan. The angel of death, the ruler of, of death, the angel of evil, And he brings a shamayim charbi Ine al Edom Tered. And this is referring to the angel, and he brings a verse to substantiate that the Torah is in no way referring to matters on a corporeal physical realm. But rather to teach people how they can destroy negative energy intelligence who's negative energy intelligence but that's what we're studying here because we know that there are two aspects we learn that from from Sukkot we'll soon have that down on tape we learn that from Sukkot on Sukkot Sukkot there are two essential mitzvot two essential commandments I use the word commandment but that's not really the, the, uh, the uh, translation of the word but there are two acts that we have to perform on Sukkot one is the Sukkah and the other one the other one is the Lulav and the Etrog why do we need both? according to the Zohar and according to uh, the Ari because one is dealing with quantum cosmos. In other words, if I'm looking and I'm praying to the Lord to help me, He may help me in every which way and that I I have health restored and uh, I can support my family. All of my, my, my personal needs can be taken care of if I pray properly to Hashem. But then there's another aspect to be taken into account. What about the robbers around? What about driving on a highway? And my car is safe and I've made certain that nothing could happen. But what about the other fellow who's also on the highway? Is there a way of controlling that I have my protection? It's another matter. I can ask for help and I have help. But that doesn't ensure that you have that peace and tranquility because there are other external factors that have nothing to do with you personally. A natural disaster is another example. Hashem may have taken care of all of your necessities but natural disasters He didn't take care of. So on Sukkot there are two aspects. The Sukkah without getting into the details takes care of that what I call the metaphysical DNA in other words where you're not going to be involved in an accident on the road due to no fault of your own or a robber chooses this house why does he choose this one and not another one is there so much planning that goes into uh, into robberies like uh, I said about the uh, article in Newsweek the front page of Newsweek when most crimes are committed, is between the hours of 5 and 7. That means there must have been a worldwide convention of all thieves, and they all decided that's the time we're going to commit robberies. Obviously not. There is a cosmic event. There's a cosmic force. We know what that cosmic force is. It's called Gevuda. At the time of the setting of the sun, and we know that the sun sets not because of the physical rotation of the earth and the planet and its proximities. We know there is a metaphysical force. That's what first governs and that's what dictates this metaphysical cosmic quantum. Why is it quantum? Because someone eating rice in China can affect me today, according to scientists. In other words, everything is related. I I can't live by myself alone. There are many factors that I may have nothing to do with, seemingly on this physical level, that will affect me. And therefore, Asukot, we have been provided with certain channels by which we can at least make some of these things become avoidable. So, it's like a human being. What happens on a physical level obviously all began before because of a prior thought like Rabbi Shlomo Alkabitz in his Lakhadodi, everybody usually sings Lakhadodi on, on Friday night. But maybe we don't listen carefully to the words of the Lakhadodi because he said Sof Maseba The end result, the final action obviously must have been preceded by a prior thought. A normal human being will perform an act only depending on what his prior thoughts were all about. An idiot does things without thinking. Now if this operates on, on the usual conventional method of behavior so it is exactly so it is exactly on that level. So, the Zohar then goes on to describe these four deaths as being included in the Torah and being a mitzvah because that was the lesson of the judges and the policemen. Remember, we asked the question, policemen, judges, there is already a foreordained Procedure here amongst the Israelites. They'll need policemen, they're going to need judges, there's going to be death sentences meted out. What kind of a hope was this Torah giving the nation of Israel? I thought the Torah was going to solve for all time the ills and problems of the entire world. And here, right at the beginning, it's telling you don't worry. I'll take care of it. Anybody murders, we know what we have to do. I mean, this is a very optimistic Torah that they got on Mount Sinai. And therefore the Torah, the Zohar says, the fact that it is expressed in the Torah as a mitzvah indicates to us that the Torah is dealing purely on a metaphysical level. It's not talking about judges coming to pass judgment, not about policemen coming to perform their duties, but rather to go right into the heart of the real world. And we've discussed this in in our morning studies. What's the real world? the real world is the 99 and 9 tenths percent that we don't even see because according to scientists this physical corporeal body takes up one tenth of one percent if it was all compressed the area that the, that the uh, body physical body would take would be one tenth of one percent as compared to the area it now takes up because 99 and 9 tenths percent consists of atoms, same thing with a table. And that's how they came to quantum. In other words, we say the atom is more than just an atom, it's the energy intelligence of proton, which means sharing, The, the aspect of electron, which means receiving, and the neutron, which is central column, which is the stabilizer. That's what the Torah is discussing because the action doesn't take place here. This is an illusion according to the Zohar because 99 and 9 tenths percent of everything that takes place is concealed. The force of this table is the wood. The physicist says, no. It's the 99 and 9 tenths percent of the atom that prevents my hand from going through the table. Wait a second. My hand can move in the air freely. Well, why don't the atoms obstruct the movement in the air? So, what is the what is their answer? The old answer of the Kabbalah, the paradox that before something can be revealed, it must be concealed, to give an illusion, to give an illusion, because the atoms here are not concealed. But when they are part of of a piece of wood, they are concealed because all you seemingly observe is the wood itself and not the atoms. But that's the paradox of life. But we should never forget the fact that what appears to the naked eye is an illusion. Why is it an illusion? Isn't it real? It's one-tenth of one percent But who wants to deal with one-tenth of one percent when everything consists of 99 and nine-tenths percent? Where's the action? In the one-tenth of one percent or in the 99 percent? So everything actually is being dealt with on on another level. On the level of the 99 percent. That's what the Torah is dealing with. It must express itself in physical terms by fire by stoning even at Shabbat you realize that the Torah says that if one when there were courts when there were judges and when there were policemen when an individual desecrates the Shabbat according to the rules of Shabbat he is to be stoned yet it never happens says the Talmud it never happened why didn't it happen? they were all observant the answer is mitzvah that word mitzvah as you know the word commandment is a corruption unfortunately that's the way the bible is translated precepts, commandments of which the majority of the people now and then never observed anyway it looks like a hoax. A Torah presented to a nation. They readily accepted it. And throughout the ages, everyone observed it. The Torah, from a physical point of view, from its literal point of view, seems to have foresaw that it'll never work out. There are going to be murderers and thieves and so on. So the word precept, commandment, was never in the lexicon of the torah what was it then for those who know hebrew the word mitzvah its origin is safta togetherness it's a hebrew word safta in israel there are clubs called safta safta beautiful word togetherness connections that's the real meaning of that word where the word commandment came wherever it started when it started with commandment it started pre- precept now we're talking about religion and that's also a hoax because what do you mean religion you know we have to um we have to uh, maintain our jewish heritage who holds like that how many people adhere to that but that was never even the intent It was not given for religious purposes. It was not given for a heritage. It was given for the purpose of improving our well-being. That was the only purpose. In fact, that's what the Torah says. You want to choose life? Follow the Torah. You want to choose life? Follow the Torah. But what about all of the other things that are mentioned in the Torah? Therefore, the Zohar states here concerning these four these four ways of judgment, of death sentences, because it is referring to, as the Zoa says, to energy intelligences of a negative quality that can influence a bad environment. You know, we speak of environmental problems. In other words, even though I may be good, But other people are polluting the environment. Pollution of of water. Fish can't live there anymore. Trees, acid rain disappearing. There's an environmental problem. What does it mean environmental problem? Where does it come from? It comes from the accumulation of negative human activity. So states the Zohar. Because we run this universe. We. And whatever happens in the universe is a direct effect from a cause that begins with man. If he operates on a negative, on the basis of negative activity, there's negativity all around us. So how do you get rid of that negative activity? There's a cosmic negative activity. I personally am good, assuming I'm good. But what about that which is all around me? Caused by everybody around me. Isn't that going to affect me? So the Torah gives you four ways on how you can pass out a death sentence on what? On people? No. On negative energy intelligence. The real stuff. The stuff that affects everybody. Collectively. Whether you have participated in an action or not. How can I avoid that kind of negative influence? How can I avoid this disruption? That's what the Torah is is talking about. Because this negative energy that was created by man's negative activity... is to be handled in four different ways. Now, the minute you hear the number four, you're in on a secret. You're in on the secret of the Bible. Why did they have five? There were no other ways of, of how to meet out a death sentence. The electric chair. Maybe they didn't have electricity, then you think. If they could construct what they did years ago... I guess they, they could understand about something about electricity. There are many ways. What about drowning the fellow, putting his head into the water? Drown him out. Not one of the ways of of passing out a death sentence. The moment we see four, we have to understand from the code. That four represents the tetragrammaton. How simple could it be? If you don't know about the tetragrammaton, about the power of the yud kei then obviously you're going to raise a lot of questions—the questions we raised tonight. But the Zohar says, "Cherev, the Kucha Bidihu, yud, the and every part of these death sentences. Are again subdivided into four aspects. And we'll touch the first one. Like the sword. He says the Yud. The Yud. The sword. The head of the sword. The handle of the sword. Is the Yud. That's the the head of that sword. But he's not talking about a physical sword. He's trying to tell you. That there is that power of the Yud. That should be made and put to use. As a, sword. as a sword that's beautiful that's beautiful we're not getting down to to the crime of the streets the way people destroy each other and that's the way judges would pass judgment and I've heard many people you know raising these, these kind of questions stoning a person what a cruel way to, you know, if you want to get rid of the guy, the guy deserves a death penalty. Can't you do it in a humane way? I mean, what, of what benefit is there? You mean that might scare off a lot of potential criminals? It might frighten them into withholding their desire to receive for for murdering another person. You think the difference of how the death penalty is going to be meted out will change or alter the statistics in murder. Doesn't sound logical. But the sword, when mentioned in the Torah, he says the yud is the ratio, the handle of the sword. Vab. You know why a sword is long? You know why a sword is long and the handle is, is a small part of it, right? The small part. And then you have that long stem. That's the Vav. Got to make use of the Vav. And also the two, the double-edged sword. You know why it's double-edged? The two haze. The two haze. The two haze for those of you who understand the aspect of the desire to receive, it's negative. It's negative. In order to remove, in order to remove negative energy from this cosmos, from the world, from the universe, we have to resort to only one method, and that method is the yutke vavke, no other way, no other way can you control matters that are not necessarily within the immediate confines by which you could get a handle on, you know, on the situation. Because things can happen somewhere else, especially today, they can ship a missile, an attack missile, some into some country, 3,000, 7,000 miles away, and how do you protect yourself? The Torah seems to feel that if you can attack negative energy up there, you've created a security shield around yourself, and in turn, you will not be affected By anything that becomes manifest in the form of murder. In other words, the murder, the passing out, the judgment is the physical expression that if you do not prevent that negative energy, if you do not attack that negative energy force, that force in turn will cause murder to somebody. If you don't know how to protect yourself against the force of negative energy intelligence that causes earthquakes and buildings to fall and you're buried under the rubble, you're stoned to death, aren't you? The rubble of the stone will kill you. How do you prevent that? It's an act, an act of the Lord. What control do you have over that? This is the beautiful Zohar. You do have a control. That's why it's important not to delve into the Torah. Burning of a home. Not talking about, says the Zohar. Judgment is passed out above, and maybe you're entitled to that judgment. Maybe you're an arsonist then you're entitled. But if you do tshuva, he does tshuva, he will not have to suffer that death of that negative energy intelligence called Srefa. This is the way you can prevent that judgment from being meted out to you. But the judgment that we're talking about is judgment that we see all around us. When people say, oh, he died in that burning house he accidentally ate a piece of fish and it had a bone and he choked himself to death. Beautiful. Why does it happen to one and not another? But these things happen. Can you prevent these things from happening? Well, you can stop eating fish. You can stop living in a home. Or drive in a car, you can prevent all of these things, but there are other ways of preventing it. and that's what the Torah in designating these four, because these four will take care of every other aspect. And it kind of lightens the the heaviness when you you know when you read the Torah and you read the kind of stories that are presented in the Torah that that for many today don't uh, don't seem to have any validity